1: We call it Epcot. It will be our experimental by city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was and the way it is in your memories.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode four of the Retro Disney World podcast. Uh, this is, episode is called One Little Spark. Uh, it's all about Epcot's origins and evolution. I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and as always, along with me is Hal Bowers. Hey, hello. Brian Miles. Good evening. Good old JT. How you doing, JT?
2: Hey, good. How you doing?
0: All right so as always we're going to uh, rewind as we always do back to last month's episode um, and anything else that came out of some comments and corrections now uh, JT we had some somebody write into us about the uh, fort wilderness sign po- popped up somewhere the old one
2: yeah this was probably the coolest email uh, I've seen in a while it I right when I saw it it pulled up real big on my phone and I just like you know freaked out because it's actually a picture of the like if you look at those old pictures we have on site of the actual like big tree log cut in half and it says fort wilderness walt disney world with the old walt disney world logo with the d you know and the, the right. mouse in it um but William says he uh worked at backstage and he was uh interning there or something and he ended up backstage of fort wilderness saw the sign which is back there and i'd like to actually go sneak back there with my golf cart next time go look for it so Andy, he's, claiming, he's claiming that this is there now yeah. yeah, that's what he said. It's just sitting. I think they're not using it anymore cuz now it's uh, you know, it's that it's almost like a rectangle shape with like uh, you know, rock work on the side and sort of thing. So this is the old entrance sign. Yeah. And uh, he also said that there's actually the train storage is still there, like the the original like garages, I guess you call them, where the trains the shed, would pull in. yeah, yeah.
0: That one I know you can you can see on Google Maps. I think it still has the doors where where they would pull in.
2: So, so that yeah, would yeah, that a, was William.
0: That'd be an interesting auction don't you think oh yeah totally giant piece of redwood or whatever it is yeah Um, now speaking of auctions for those of that have been following here for uh you know a couple episodes you'll know we've talked about uh chad dot wdwmap.com where he has the replica of the paul hartley map from 1971 that hung in the polynesian the contemporary etc and um now JT, was it you who stumbled across this? Uh, that yeah, had the
2: original I, one on eBay recently. I saw it that, that store, the theme park connection. They have right. random stuff, and you know this kind of like it was a you know a, a thing on Twitter or something. I saw, and yeah, they were auctioning off, and it was a buy it now or starting bid at nine 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 nine, like ten grand.
0: Yeah. Now, as of tonight, uh, it says best offer has been accepted. Doesn't see the final price now. There's no silver frame, right? Remember we talked about there being a silver frame on on there but boy the, i mean it, it's in great condition the color is is beautiful on it but uh
2: so yeah somebody somebody spent some coin on that and they could have got a better deal from chad yeah <laughs> 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 buy a brand new one that'll... yeah a brand new one
0: made to your order stretch canvas that's right
2: so it doesn't have the patina on it as
1: the, yeah said. yeah this
0: one looks great condition but yeah it's, it's, it's not canvas either so if you don't have the ten grand to spend, uh, or whatever somebody paid here, d- do head over to www.map.com, and uh, if you go to uh, slash retro, WDW, Chad will give you a, a discount as
2: well on on purchasing
0: one of his really cool
2: maps. So, but, we have a drawing uh, too for one, don't we?
0: Yes, yes. We'll we'll get to that a little bit later uh, when we talk about the the audio puzzler. We we do have a drawing for a free map coming up. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. I think we got one more thing that goes back to our contemporary episode, Plexiglass Trees. Um, how this is about the? Uh, we got some emails about. That whole center area where the monorails come in and out, uh, and you you saw some stuff in some of the videos recently or the, the restored films, right?
3: Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have the person's name who who emailed in. But um, I th- I think one of the questions that we had in that previous episode is how did how did that monorail platform get so jacked up? because it certainly seems like it is right now. It still um, confuses me to this day as
0: we've talked about right <laughs> yeah it's very
3: for those of you who haven't been to the contemporary in a while or have never been uh, you go up a set of escalators uh, that run parallel initially to the to the tracks that the Monrail take in and then you make a left hand turn. Sorry, you come up straight and you kind of go around a stance and it kind of turns around backwards and then heads heads back towards where you actually load. But then suddenly in the middle of this platform is this elevator (laughs) that opens up on two sides. So up on the monorail platform, it basically loads from one side and unloads from the other side. And it's totally in the way and it totally throws off all the flow. And I think one of the questions that we were talking about is like, why on earth is it like that so I went back and looked at that wonderful uh, monorail film that we had uh, um, And if you are looking for the post on the on the retro WDW website it's called contemporary resort Seventies shag and flare and right at about the five minute and 30 second mark there's a really beautiful shot of the monorail um, coming into the station and what you can see is that there is no elevator platform there. So the the thought is, I guess, at some point when there was a renovation done, probably sometime in the 80s, um, there was an, an elevator added onto there in order for it to be ADA compliant. And I have no idea what people did prior to that um, who were in wheelchairs. I don't know if they carried you up the escalator <laughs> or how they handled that but
0: they may have um, just sent you over to the Polynesian
3: <laughs> yeah but it it certainly was not there before and it is there now and it's
0: so confusing so yeah interesting find and then you know the the person who wrote in also mentioned something about that, that maybe because the monorail's change size and and what well, they they went from 5 cars i think to 6 cars something like that i, I don't know if did, did capacity go up as well when they
3: well undoubtedly,
0: went because if you if any of you and if you have not
3: seen or ever had the pleasure of riding in a Mark IV monorail, uh these these were the original monorails that that ran. And uh there were a couple of things about them that were different. One is the doors were not automatic. They would open up automatically, but the the uh the people that were on the monorail platform would actually have to close the doors manually. And there was this amazing cadence of this <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, if you weren't careful, if your hand was sticking out when they shut that door, because they'd come by when they closed them, too, and just yeah. whack, 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 and They whack, were whack.
3: They were metal. They weren't yeah. fiberglass. They were serious. Yep. Um, but the other thing was everybody got a seat. It was right now where you have basically the, two, the doors open up in the middle, and then there's seats on the left side and seats on the right side and that sort of support bar in the center. There were seats facing out um, like a train, um would have so um there wasn't enough space for (laughs) i think there was always one car that had some space for wheelchairs that would be in the front or in the back um uh but there certainly wasn't space for the kinds of strollers and things that people have today um the upshot was that everybody sat down then no one stood so at some point when they went from the the mark fours to what the mark sixes because i think disneyland was a mark fives right right um they they took out that that center row of seating uh and put in the standing room space and then reconfigured the doors to to be completely automatic and open up from the center so um and at that time so yeah capacity certainly increased because now you can shove as many people as you can into a monorail car like it's a new york subway instead of a nice relaxing place to sit down.
0: <laughs> exactly. So you got But you. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've now started the <laughs> monorail episode, which <laughs> some people have been asking for. So, but uh yeah, so more investigative work as always. We we try to go back to, you know, things that come out. So, uh thanks to Matt from Syracuse, New York for that uh for sending in that tidbit. So, as always, we'll we'll continue to uh investigate anything that comes up. So with that said, I, I think that's all the uh, comments from uh, previous podcasts for, for this month. But uh, we're going to let uh, Brian run with this show, uh, One Little Spark. Uh, this is going to be all about the origins of Epcot, the evolution of how it started, the thought process behind it, and what brought it to what we know as today. So, Brian, you've been doing digging. You've been researching. Uh, what, uh, where are we going to start tonight?
1: That's right, Todd. This month we are heading across the parks from the Magic Kingdom area where we've been to the area that is now Epcot Center. Uh, it seemed an odd thing for Walt Disney to an odd choice for Walt Disney to pick rural central Florida to build the community of the future, uh, but that's the quest that he embarked on in the mid 1960s. Uh, Epcot. We'll give you a little bit of background. A lot of you may know some of this, but maybe not all of the details. Uh, began in the mid-1960s. Uh, Disney began acquiring land in Central Florida, uh, not to build a theme park, although that was always part of the plan, uh, but it was to build Walt Disney's experimental prototype city or community of tomorrow, depending on which text and which time Walt's talking about it. Uh, that was his original inspiration for buying the land in Florida. And the theme park on the property, uh, which is now the Magic Kingdom, uh, or originally the Magic Kingdom, uh, was a secondary driver behind it. It was basically the the presence of the theme park was going to be to drive, produce revenue for the rest of Walt's dreams for for Central Florida. And that was to build this experimental community. Uh, Walt dot. Brian, also, too, the, the location of the park has pretty much always
0: been the same in the plan, right? I don't recall seeing any plan where that theme park was in a i'm talking magic kingdom theme park you it, magic kingdom was right yeah, always they, at they, the top north north section of the of the land from the start
1: well, inter, interestingly enough uh when they took the plane tour when walt took a plane tour uh, of the florida property that they had, that they acquired uh he flew over the area of roy's cabin <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. and then just across bay lake and he saw the natural uh bay lake there and decided and pointed and said that's it that's the spot we're going to build uh the theme park at the land right next to bay lake uh and so that you're correct from pretty much the the first master plan that was drawn had the theme park where it is today right uh and epcot's not too far off from where they had originally drawn a lot of this stuff that they that they wanted to that they wanted to put there well um, and
0: Epcot too was was going to be as we'll get into was going to be larger so what we know of Epcot today this small small parcel of land Epcot was going to be more of the, the the grander plan in the area that surrounded it too
1: that was going to be the true
3: attraction right
1: um, yeah. I the,
3: mean I, I would suggest Brian that probably the reason that there was a Magic Kingdom was because if you're going to get investment in order to build the city of the future, it's like you would have to make – in order to make the money people happy, it's like there had to be a theme park there
1: well, to generate two, revenue. Two pieces to that. You're right. You're half right, Hal. There was the theme park was going to be there for the corporate investors and to attract people to the Epcot project, and then uh, – for the Florida legislators, which we'll, t- we'll touch on tonight, the Floridians wanted a theme park there. I mean, that was the big sweetener for, for them to be able to get uh, what they wanted uh, legislatively to be able to build Epcot. So anyway, Walt comes up with this idea and uh, he sets about buying secretly buying all of this land. Uh, Under, you know, false dummy corporations and three people were moved. There's fantastic books entirely written just on the purchase of the land and the lengths that they went to to hide the acquisition. um, So that the prices of the land wouldn't triple or quadruple or quintuple once they found out it was Disney buying. (laughs) So Walt comes up with this. Walt starts all of the, uh, the the secret gets out in in October of 1965 or November of 65. And then by the end of 1965, Walt and Roy uh, hold a press conference with the governor of Florida to announce, yes, this is our land and, and we're coming to Florida. Uh, so he announces it's going to be completely different than Disneyland. It's not just going to be a theme park, although there will be a theme park there. That's- Brian, Walt- I, I should try to
0: interrupt, but that press conference is available in the, the Florida archives. Have, have a nice video very clean video of of that film, which is really neat if you sit down and... It it
1: is neat to see it. It's also not that long. Yeah, uh, no, it's only about what? Eight, nine minutes? Yeah, he didn't have a lot to say, except that, yeah, we're we're buying the land. Yes, we're building a theme park. And yes, there's going to be a lot more. And part of it was he hadn't really thought it all out yet. So Walt spends the next year working with people at uh, WED, uh, which is today Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, coming up with his rough sketch for what he would like to do in in Florida uh, with this prototype city of tomorrow. He's got people working on it. And then uh, late summer, uh, Walt finds out that he's sick. Uh, you know, August, September of 1966, uh, Walt finds out that he's sick. And the doctor says uh, you know, six months to a year uh, was all he has left. And Walt dies in December. Uh, so he died in December of 1966, uh, the principals at Disney, you know, his brother Roy and some of the other executives sat down, uh, to hear a presentation from Marvin Davis and Marvin Davis was the master planner for the Walt Disney world property, uh, when they bought it and he finished laying out, here's what Walt wanted to do. And here's where the theme park's going to be. And here's our city of tomorrow. And here's all the, the stuff that we're going to have in this city of tomorrow And he sits down, and the room is silent. And this story's been recounted by a few different people who were there. Right, right. Uh, And Roy turns to him and says, Marvin, Walt's gone. And basically, Epcot, as Walt envisioned it, died with him. And so uh, Marty Sklar's quote about this was that it was Walt's vision— And only Walt could have convinced industry to support it, so they were left with 27,000 acres in Florida and a management team that didn't know what talent it had at Walt Disney Imagineering because that was Walt's privately owned domain. He owned WED, um, which a lot of people don't know. I mean, he owned the, the Imagineering department himself. Uh, separate and apart from the Walt Disney Corporation, <clears throat> which they eventually purchased, I want to say in the 1980s, I think they finally mm-hmm. negotiated the sale of it. Mike Michael Eisner negotiated the sale from the Disney family.
3: Yeah, that was, Eisner went and basically put everything together, Retlaw, and all the other pieces that were kind of hanging out. He consolidated it.
1: Right. So anyway, Walt's idea was, let me come up with this city, uh, let me build this prototype uh, community where we bring the titans of American industry in companies like general motors and general electric and, you know, Goodyear and, and, and have all of these, um, futuristic, uh, concepts for city planning in transportation and garbage removal and, uh, anything you it's, can really think of it's the 64 worlds fair i mean really on steroids
0: right <laughs> well
1: he, he wanted for to real take all, yeah all for real these, yeah yeah i wanted to take all these theories because he's fascinated with city planning um, and 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 future living uh and put them into practice in an actual community to show you know cities around the world hey this is what you should be doing in your cities Uh, So, and his idea was, I'm going to sit down with these corporate boards and pitch to them just like he did with the 64 World's Fair to get to to design attractions for them. And uh, we're going to, we're going to develop this. Now, part of the plan, his original plan was he wanted residents here, but he didn't want permanent residents. And he ran into a couple of problems as they were planning this. First off, not a whole lot of people want to come and live temporarily. Some place for six or nine months and then be told, OK, you have to leave in a place they don't own, in a place where they might not necessarily have a job. Um, <clears throat> the second piece of it was he didn't want anyone to be able to vote. Uh, and if they lived in a place and actually lived in this community as residents, they would have the right to vote. So this is one of the things that they were. Um, uh, there's a book called the Florida Project that covers a lot of these kinds of discussions that they went through and different negotiations with the Florida legislature and how to structure it. Eventually, the the commute, the townhome community that became Lake Buena Vista. For a time, there were uh, townhomes. I don't think they're there anymore.
0: They're, yeah, since. they've they've since been gone. I stayed them, but the, yeah, they they were built
1: for the, the corporations. Yeah, that was originally going to be the like the residential arm. Right of of what was the epcot overall project so anyway that's
2: uh, that's pin trading now yeah so so walt spends
1: 1966 uh you know doing the master plan and also working with officials in florida uh over the course of from the time they actually broke ground uh and when they had announced that they were purchasing the land it was only about a five-year period four-year period they had three different governors in Florida. So it seemed like every time that they started to get some movement, all of a sudden the governor would change again. Uh, so that, that created some delays and, and uncertainty as they were planning it out. But as Walt spends 1966 planning this, uh, he makes what becomes is now infamous as the Epcot film. Uh, and the Epcot film was to be shown to Florida legislators and potential investors uh, and it was Walt's basic sales pitch. Now, when Walt made the film, he knew he was sick. Most of the, peop- most of the other people didn't, but Walt knew he was sick. So Walt makes this film. Uh, it's about 28 minutes long, I think, something around that line. About series. a half an hour. About a half so, hour, yeah. It's The one where he
2: has the big stick, isn't it? Yeah, the big it's stick. He's got the big the stick, stick the giant.
1: Any fan, I mean, I,
0: I have to talk about it a little here, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, in, any fan of Disney has has no doubt we watched this whole thing from start to finish. It's... I'm going to call it a magnificent piece because personally, I think not only is Walt, you can see the excitement in Walt's eyes. Uh, you can see how thrilled he is to present this. I, as a kid, and, and, and still to this day, look at the maps and look at the giant stick. He's pointing up at this big thing. You're, you're in awe. And then it gets into what Disney did, did best with, with animation. And he's animating, you know, the, the, the trucks are delivering to... Facilities on one level and the cars or transportation don't even have to stop, they're going through the bottom level. And you know, the inner ring where people drive their cars is separated from the residential ring. While it was a utopian look, it's still a really, really neat piece to look at. Um, just I don't know. It's always fascinated me, and and we do have a restored version. It was one of the first things that I restored um, out out on the Retro Disney World uh, website. So if you do want to take a look at it, there's a nice restored piece that we'll we'll put a link in the in this month's podcast to that. So and, I I just had to mention those couple of things. It's just yeah, it's yeah, a great, and it's a great film, it, and I would say,
3: isn't it amazing to what lengths the company went through to bury that film? For as long as they did.
0: yeah, Because
3: you could not watch that film until maybe five or six years ago, 90s.
0: They did run it on Disney Channel a couple times because there's some very old VHS versions that people had recorded it in very grainy. I don't even know if it was the full complete. Yeah, I got like a
3: bootleg version of it in the the early 90s. And literally, it's like we were some of the first people to see that in the longest time. And it was, right. just, it was mind blowing just how completely thought out the entire thing was.
0: It, it, it really was and, and it's unbelievable. Now they did release a version. There was a, um, there was a DVD set that came out. I want to say early two thousands, uh, that had Disneyland, a lot of Disneyland stuff on it, but they included, um, this piece on the DVD and it's probably one of the better versions. That's, that's the version that we cleaned up. Um, My understanding is in, in talking to some people who are, I I spoke to a number of people, um, I don't know, about six to eight months ago, maybe a little longer that are producing a film for PBS about Walt Disney's life in Disneyland. Um, And my understanding that the original film is still out there. They were looking at possibly restoring it, but because it was going to be a Disneyland focused film, production they, they didn't know if that was something that that was going to be done but sidebar there we would love to see it. be a great piece to have uh, scanned in HD by image works and restored one don't we think <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> now how, how um real quick I'm gonna strangely jump to horizons here there was a very there's a parallel I think between portions of this film and then the was it the magic highway film that uh, they did that that was in horizons did they oh, use yeah, any yeah, part yeah. of of this film in there in Horizons when you were going through those the 50s area You know no. what I'm talking about The Magic Highway was another fantastic yeah. yeah that film. was a
3: Walt Disney presents from what this probably sometime in the mid 60s Right right but Yeah had, no, they they didn't use, again there was no it wasn't they were there, tried yeah. they tried so hard, hard to like okay. not let people know about
0: Right right okay yeah, The original okay. Epcot
3: so. once they had built Epcot Center
0: so <laughs> So so Sorry, Brian. that's more on the 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 florida project film if you haven't, and, if you haven't and, watched it, and
1: you a, can still see walt filming it if you have an interest in disney's hollywood studios and walt disney one man's dream you walk through there and about three quarters of the way through towards the end uh they've done a beautiful recreation of walt in front of a camera mm-hmm. with the huge uh, epcot planning room behind him and the map and uh it, i, I it's one of that and his uh, ceremonial office, which they've recreated there, right. are the two things in Walt Disney One Man's Dream that I tend to linger at and stare at. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, If you see, have an interest in about. seeing that, uh, a blown-up version of it, you can see it there. They run so, a couple-minute loop,
0: too, I think, of the presentation. They do. So, yeah, it's like a four- or five-minute loop.
1: So Walt makes this film, and the film, as I said, was two things. It was one to sell to corporate sponsors, and mostly it was for the benefit of the Florida legislature, because what they were dealing with with the Florida legislature was they wanted uh, a certain level of autonomy, not having to go through local planning, not having to go through some of the state regulations and hoops with what they were doing construction-wise, what they wanted to do construction-wise. And then it was planning for what he was going to be doing uh, with this city of tomorrow, after it was built and having uh, wanting to be free from a lot of the regulatory constraints that they would normally put, uh, on, on, a on a city. So years were spent after Walt died, uh, negotiating with the legislature to finally get the bills through that they needed to get through, uh, to let them, you know, certain employment laws, certain, you know, regulatory, environmental, all that stuff. Uh, so that, that was the, the main reason he made that film. Uh, after he died the they still hadn't had the legislation passed i I think i want to say it was passed in late sixty seven or early sixty eight sometime around that that time frame uh because I know they broke ground in sixty nine but in the end uh the Epcot city of tomorrow uh model uh that whole idea of that 's what that's what our plan is here. They had to keep the story up, even though they knew they weren't going to build it. And they had to keep the story going in order to get the legislation passed to give them all the freedom (laughs) that they wanted for the land in the first place. So they kind of kept it out there. You know, Roy decides, well, we're going to go ahead and build the theme park because that's what we know how to do. But Epcot, they put on, for lack of a better word, coming soon status for about 10 years. And over those 10 years, once they built the Magic Kingdom, once they opened it up, once they nixed the Western River Expedition for Pirates of the Caribbean and other things that happened in the energy crisis of the mid-70s, uh, they finally sit down at, uh, at, at Walt Disney headquarters and decide, you know, now we have to talk about Epcot and what we're going to do with, with, with the Epcot thing. And so Epcot evolves during those conversations from a concept city to a theme park, primarily because it's what they knew how to do.
0: Yeah, and, and you and know the, what's interesting in all this is that the concept is, I mean, obviously we've, we've now seen some of the morphing and changes over time, but it, that it survived that long too, right? I mean, we're now, how many years after his well, death? How many years?
1: You know, the, the company's marketing, uh, you know, we'll always calls it Walt's last dream, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, the company was run by people who were handpicked by Walt. Until Michael Eisner got there in 1984. So true. for 18 years after Walt died, I mean, the company, the board, everything were all people that you know just kept waiting for him to walk through the door because that was the way their their, their life was before he got. Right. True, true. So 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 much of what would Walt do guided what the company did for the following 18 years, uh, and so I think that's part of the reason why some of those things that he that he wanted in the 60s were still alive in the 80s. Uh, and today, now it's because of the mythology and and uh, the the idolatry that that they heap upon him. Right. Uh, so anyway, it evolves from a concept city to a theme park, and their theme park, uh, they basically say, let's take Walt's ideas uh, for this futuristic stuff and figure out how to put it into a theme park. So we'll give you a little brief overview. The early pavilions that were kind of there from the start. They wanted a pavilion on communication one on transportation, space, energy, ocean, and the land. Now, what ultimate, all of those were eventually built. Uh, the Imagination Pavilion, which was ultimately built, grew partially out of abandoned plans for the Land Pavilion.
0: Which is interesting that they're next door, <laughs>
1: right? Well, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Land Pavilion, and I'm going to forget, I know I read this, but the original sponsor for the Land Pavilion... Uh, it was going to be a hot air balloon that Tony Baxter designed, a uh, hot air balloon ride. Basically the suspend, the same suspended ride system that you see in Peter Pan would have taken you through the changing seasons. Um, and then when the sponsor changed to, I think it was an agriculturally based, uh, sponsor. And then when the sponsor changed to, I uh, was a craft, was a craft originally or craft, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. then it changed to a uh, more of a food and agriculture. So I, is is to that to... why we have the three balloons
0: to this day, which now don't move? I, is, that, is that why we have the three? I balloons? I do
1: believe that's why the balloons. Yeah, a nod motif. to that. Yeah, yeah, are part of the original motif inside. I wish they would uh, move again, but that, uh, <laughs> I, I wish the fountain was still there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, let's all shed a tear right now. Let's let's you'll hear a lot cool. of this. Remember when when we exactly talk about well, that's center. why we're retro, right? Absolutely. That's why. So. We're here. So they have these, they have these, uh, plans and Marty Sklar said at Epcot 30, uh, which was held now four years ago, uh, that the health pavilion was always one of the original one plan. They, they, they knew they weren't going to be able to open with it, but there was always a plan for a health pavilion, right. uh, which eventually became MetLife and the wonders of life. Um, <clears throat> So World Showcase, which is the other piece of Epcot Center, that evolved from a permanent World's Fair concept. So after Walt did the 64 World's Fair attractions and and experienced that, uh, hit and, and and back then, I mean, there was a 62 World's Fair in Seattle. How there were a couple of others. In, oh, yeah. <clears> yeah, know,
3: 60, yeah. Yeah, 60 the 62 63. begat the 64, and right. um, the next one that I think was like the Montreal, 69 in Montreal. Right.
1: Montreal, yeah. Yeah,
0: 67.
3: So,
1: so, so, so I mean, there's all these world's fairs going on. There huge tourist attractions. Walt, Walt starts to get this idea that, you know, I want to design a permanent world's fair. Rather than move into these different cities and building temporary structures, we can kind of create a, a theme park, uh, use, use what we know at Disneyland and make a permanent world's fair where we, where we showcase these cultures and ideas. And... So there, for the Disney World property in Florida, uh, one of the concepts that had been under development uh, concurrent with Epcot was this permanent World's Fair. Walt originally conceived it as part of what was going to be an indoor theme park in St. Louis. We'll take a one minute sidebar here to tell you about the <laughs> St. Louis project. So, he, so he's, you know, he's, Walt was a Missouri boy. So he looks at St. Louis uh, as a possible place to build his East Coast theme park or non West Coast theme park. Uh, And because of St. Louis is changing seasons and certain things with the land, he decided we would do it indoors. And what it was basically going to be was a five story indoor complex. You're getting visions of Disney quest now, a five story (laughs) indoor complex where each floor had different attractions on it. And, you know, obviously a massive building where you'd have attractions like the Pirates of the Caribbean or something inside the building. Well, Walt wanted to do a permanent World's Fair a lot of what ultimately became World Showcase. Uh, The St. Louis Project died. Uh, Great story. Walt is at a dinner uh, in St. Louis, uh, and it was the Beer Manufacturers or Something Association. August Bush uh, was the host of the dinner, and he got up to make a speech, and uh, he made a specific point in his speech that, you know, being a beer man, that uh, any theme park, that was built in St. Louis would absolutely serve alcohol. And the next day, Walt told the guys at Disney, let's find another place for our park. We're not building it here. Uh, so there was this thing where you weren't, you know, he wasn't going to get the approvals to build it there unless he agreed to have Anheuser-Busch products. And he decided then I'd rather not build it here. So there's your aside and SeaWorld got him back by serving beer in their park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, you know, he so, so has that, that concept there. World Showcase was originally planned in Florida. They they, they, they brought the concept, you know, the old adage, nothing at Imagineering ever dies. So right, they had this right. concept they designed originally in St. Louis. They had all this land in Florida, and they discussed, well, what we can do is we can build this World Showcase here. The original concept uh, for World Showcase, they were looking to build it in the area around – uh, I think where the parking lot is now, on the other side of the Polynesian, where the, the speedway and the parking lot is, they originally wanted to build it over in that Magic Kingdom resort area. Now,
0: now well, going back even a little bit further, in, in, in the Epcot film and in, in some of the early artwork that Walt showed, it was also going to be more of a a bizarre type atmosphere right. right it was an indoor was similar to the st louis stuff but originally, an indoor bazaar originally
1: you will. as it was designed it almost had uh it was i mean it's almost like a mall yeah i was gonna it, say shop shopping mall it was like a shopping a, 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 mall where they had the little countries. you know where each each retail space was a different country so here's
3: my question or like i'll give you a my understanding and I could be completely wrong. So please anyone jump in and correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at the, what Epcot was supposed to be a city and was supposed to have that hotel complex in the center, which we now see on, uh, on the ticket, on the, um, the on the people mover. So my understanding was that that area outside of the tall hotel, like that's where the international shopping space was supposed to be in there. So that might have been the first location was underneath that domed area. And then once we knew that they knew that they weren't going to build that city anymore and that particular building, then it got moved as that separate parcel that you're talking about, Brian.
1: Right. So then they, they come up with this, let's do it at the separate parcel, uh, you know, do some concept artwork. They're working on that. And at the same time, they're working on what ultimately will become the Epcot theme park Epcot center. Uh, So the uh, apocryphal story, one night, uh, John Hench and Marty Sklar are together. They have a presentation for the Disney board uh, the next day, uh, and they have two halves of theme parks. They've got a future world, uh, the Epcot theme park, which wasn't enough to be a standalone park with its five or six pavilions. And then they had the World Showcase they were working on, uh, which wasn't really enough to be its own theme park. And so they push them to get literally physically got there and pushed the two models together. Um, and so that the next day they pitch it and that's ultimately what becomes Epcot center. Um, so there was a, uh, the, 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 site selection, uh, was the next thing, uh, and they had to decide where they were going to build it. And obviously back then the, uh, the, the, um, I'm going to have a a brain freeze here. <laughs> the property, I mean, you're 27,000 acres, Yeah. most of it undeveloped, most of it, you know, rural wasteland. So they decided, well, we're just not going to build it that far from here. At the time, I mean, when you got there, before they built all the hotels and everything else, taking the monorail out to the Epcot Center, it was like they were dropping you off in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was mean, I mean, a long way. It, you know, it seemed like it was a really long way. Now it's, you know, it's, it's five minutes away, but... Back then, that monorail ride, I mean, now you're riding over resorts and, and all kinds of back then it was just nothing but alligators and and you know <laughs> you know <laughs> florida pines and yeah well uh, if you think about the
3: early drive when you used to show up and drive down world drive in order to get to the magic kingdom it just seemed like the highway went on forever until you your, finally got there
0: plus your anticipation right you couldn't wait to get there you you, you make the turn off there I, i've got to go back and think of this you know what i mean it i know it has nothing to do with epcot but that's that's part of the magic of what they created there too, right? You're already, you, you got off the highway, you're anticipating get there, and then there's this road you got to get on, right? And then <laughs> right. You, you drive, and you're like, okay, you park. That's fantastic. Now you have to take a tram. Yeah. Like, okay, now I can kind of see where I'm going, right? No, Now you got to board a boat or a monorail. Get away. There's a, a, a magic magic. Plan there that you know uh, it's it's brilliant when you think about it when you take it apart Um, and it sure as hell sucks for reverse when you're tired at night. (laughs) But But to Brian's point,
3: it probably didn't make much sense to put it anywhere other than off of World Drive because you already had a nice four lane highway running up the middle of the property.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you had it right there. So they picked
3: the site.
1: Uh, And now,
0: speaking of the site too, I'm trying to find it here, guys. um, I want to send it to you, and, and we can certainly post it. I do have some uh, aerial footage, I should say footage, aerial photography of the area of Epcot way, way, way before its development. So I know you've got a question coming up, Brian, regarding something. So I'm going to try to find this and maybe we can kind of figure some questions out by the end. So I'll let you go from
1: there okay and I'm not sure what question you're talking about but we'll <laughs> it's, the one it. of, it's a one of, the one about the lagoon So, oh oh well I, I mean this this was one of the things that they covered during Epcot 30 so one. Oh, of the, an answer for one well, yeah one of the one of the one of the things about the site uh, you know there's the adage about uh, what Epcot stands for every person comes out tired because <laughs> the place is I mean, it gigantic huh. and in fact if you've ever been there and you decide like hey i'm in i'm in the land and i want to walk over to mission space uh people don't realize like how far it is it's yeah. it's it's a long walk to cross between the two sides of future world and then to get yourself back to world showcase uh but when you get so, so so you go down the two sides whichever side of of future world you're going down. you then in order to get to world showcase there's this long expanse where there's the odyssey restaurant on one side yep. On the other side, it's just a long bridge and walkway before you eventually get into World Showcase at either Canada on one side, Mexico at the other. The reason for that, the reason that the that the World Showcase doesn't start right up where Future World ends is because they began – during construction, they began driving pylons into the ground to support the structures they were going to build, and they just kept going. and So they drove one and then two, and then three. <laughs> and eventually, <clears throat> I think they said they went about 200 feet down and weren't hitting solid rock. And so they just kept going back until they eventually hit solid rock again. And that's where they started a build World Showcase. <laughs> so that's why you have that huge expanse between the two areas.
3: There's a, there's <laughs> always a sinkhole story somewhere in, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> in Walt Disney World construction <laughs> right. lore, isn't there? Right.
2: Walt, Walt picked a great spot from the plane. Just <laughs> yeah, hey,
0: it's Florida. You had you had to have some shortcomings with it. So 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 in your,
1: 19 your story
2: with him driving around the plane, flying around and picking the spots for things. Where I literally picture him just throwing 60s lawn darts out of the window, and just like <laughs> I want the Magic Kingdom here, and then it just lands, and then <laughs> it'd be just awesome.
1: So so in 1977, Card Card Walker finally announces they're going to build it. I'm gonna build Epcot. And this is where I'm gonna turn it over slightly to Hal to talk about the marketing materials and the stuff that they that they put out uh, to the Magic Kingdom Club members and the Florida annual pass holders, et cetera. Yeah. But the, okay. the tagline was the twenty-first century begins October first, nineteen eighty-two.
3: So I have to say this is probably the greatest piece of junk mail that I ever received in my <laughs> life. Because I we had for me, it's like we had moved to Orlando in seventy-nine. And I remember I was after school, we were sitting around and I think my mom came in with the day's mail and she handed me this envelope that said in giant sans serif font, like the 21st century begins. I'm like, what is this? And I ripped it open. No, and... why did you get it? How, what was the, how did you get on the list? So what it was, um, and I realize now, as I had talked in previous episodes about my dad being a, uh, an employee of AT&T. Right, right. Um, we were members of the Magic Kingdom Club, ah, which was yeah, their was, sort of yeah. like. Uh, it does. It no longer exists, but for the longest time, it's like as a benefit to working for many companies, you got uh, a membership in the Magic Kingdom Club, and they would send you like magazines, and you get some discounts and things. It was basically a way to drum up business, um, and it was. I think it was a nationwide.
0: Plan. It was something
3: that they had at Disneyland and then it extended over to Walt Disney World when that opened up.
0: Yeah, the, the benefits were good. My grandparents had it. They yeah, you got
1: discounts on yeah. on uh, merchandise Disney. and they, admissions and and uh, dining and yep Disney yeah.
2: Store, all that stuff. yeah I mean, there you, was just a magic- got, you just got something in the mail, like sent to you, like you've been chosen type thing. Like, yeah, literally,
3: they printed. They and I have one in my hands. It's this Magic King It's the uh, Epcot Center. Pict- a pictorial. Who, who has it? Everybody. I'm the only up.
2: one not holding one up. I don't I have- got.
3: I got one. It is uh it is one of the, actually one of the nicest things uh yeah. that they've ever done. I mean, and this just showed up for free. It's like it didn't cost anything. They were just we we want people to come here. So you got this and then there was also a letter uh you know telling you that you should book your hotels now uh for for starting to make your um your travel plans in uh 1983. <laughs> so <laughs> So they knew it was going to open in October, but I think they felt more confident about getting people there in 83 instead of right away in 82.
0: Now, it's, it's interesting. To, we should probably note how that this thing is filled with not a single picture of reality, right? There's not even a – I mean, I'm flipping through it right now. It's all artwork. Um Every now and then, you catch there's a picture of the land, but of them growing lettuce, but you don't even know if it's the land. It could be a random greenhouse.
3: Yeah, it's all uh, right. It is all illustrations. It's all artist
0: renderings, concepts. Uh, stock, because... A little bit of stock photography here and there. You know, the the Sperry Univac one is great. They're sitting next to a computer. The so the outside of the envelope of
2: the... said that 21st century thing on the the.
0: Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was also, this is,
2: This here is a very, right, we've seen this picture. Yeah, that's the
0: shirt and the, Just, the whole deal. Yeah, it's on the inside cover. And then this was so that you, there was a map when you opened it up on the inside cover too. So, sorry, how? I'm not trying to see that. No, no, good boy. <laughs> But there was a map on the inside cover that opened out that would uh, tell you. I, I kind of consider this, I don't know if you do, how, but it kind of the very first pictorial souvenir of epcot you know yeah. uh, this is this i equate to the preview center pictorial souvenir of of the entire Walt Disney world project actually so here's
3: what's interesting so mine actually says a pictorial souvenir on the front and i'm <laughs> guessing yours doesn't because mine
0: I does not and there's a there's a stamp on mine somebody stamped it with a re- received date it says August third, but unfortunately, the year's blur. Hold on, hold the years up now, you now, folks. For those of you who are listening and can't, this is not a video podcast. Uh, we we have we do this via camera. So now, where are you?
3: Where does it say then on the? So phone? one of my great disappointments in life is that my parents actually threw out the one that we got uh, in the mail. Uh, so I bought another one of these later on off of eBay, and what I'm seeing is I don't have the pre-opening one. I don't,
0: that's a true picture. So so because okay, I because yeah, off, off I
3: also don't have the future begins October twenty first.
1: Oh
2: it's already the future began, has already Monsieur. begun. I
1: wonder, which wow. one of you, I wonder which one of you has the rarity. I
2: I want to know who has an envelope that has that on there. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's
0: true.
3: Now, so I did see, I did see one of these with the envelope on sale on eBay a couple of weeks ago, and I did at least grab a picture of it. So I'll be able to post in the show notes what
0: that looked like. What did it go for? Very back. I don't know. Oh, look at Go to the very back page. Now, first of all, this has the magic kingdom club in the back. Oh, wow, oh, there, there it is. is. Magic Kingdom Club is mentioned back here, Vacation Adventures for Magic Kingdom Club families. Now, on the very back page is all white, but down at the bottom mine says copyright 1982 Walt Disney Productions.
3: Okay, this is also 82, but mine just has this Disney Showmanship page oh. on the back you know, instead of the Magic Kingdom Club one. So, so
0: I'm going to, I'm going to interject here for a second regarding yeah, your Showmanship ah you're missing two, three pages. Look at this. I have.
3: Oh man.
0: Yeah. So they left. So because this was probably the Magic Kingdom Club one. Now, I'm I'm going to digress here a little bit when we talk. I want to do an episode on. <laughs>
1: we people. we are so editing all of this out.
0: <laughs> oh no, we're not. No. <laughs> There uh, – pictorial souvenirs, there's so many different versions of it, and this just proves how many different versions of different things there are. So, okay. So we'll we'll get back to the show, folks. Where were we, Brian? You were you – were <laughs> how,
1: how just, was telling us about yeah, the Yeah, just the marketing. Materials. It's good, it's the marketing. So, yeah. So everybody got
3: – so anyways, as as a kid getting this thing, it was, it was the greatest thing that I ever got in the mail because you – I mean, I don't think there was much discussed prior to this thing coming out. I mean, I, I I think as a central Floridian, I was vaguely aware that something was going on there, but there wasn't really any level of detail to it. So getting this was uh was amazing and and to me one of the one of the greatest things about this uh about this piece and I would I would welcome. If you're a Disney fan, it's like you got to get one of these things off of eBay absolutely. because it's absolutely. Um every time you open up to another pavilion uh there's one page that is just the pavilion logo on uh a bright like uh just a flood of the pavilion's color so like right now i'm I'm looking at the world of motion page so the left side has world emotion the right side has just the giant world of motion logo um and this is probably like an eight and a half by 11 um sideways This book is probably one of the things that inspired me to become a graphic designer, um, just because of the excellence of of seeing these logos and these color selections, um, which was done by a a guy named uh, Norm Ayun, if I'm saying that properly. Who was a designer for who did the the Firebird and
2: the Trans Am cars. Yeah, yeah. JT, I have no on. idea the, the the rooster. I don't know who did it though. The yeah, that was him. On the... he, yeah, oh, he, okay. actually, he actually
3: designed that. So he he worked same for...
2: era then. So he was big <clears> in the <throat> late seventies, eighties. Interesting.
3: So when uh, apparently when the Imagineering went on a hiring spree in order to get people
2: to work on Epcot, they, <laughs> they go, "I want the guy that did the growing rooster <laughs> yeah, right. of the Trans <laughs> Am." <laughs> uh, but if you think about it; uh... must have been a big Burt Reynolds fan
3: too. Yeah, that well, was they the... grabbed a lot of cart. Right, so. Um um they grabbed a lot of car stylists to to become imagineers at some point so you know that was probably a, you if, if you were working for you know one of the big auto manufacturers and you were a designer probably in any capacity it's like you were probably a sought after guy right, right. Yeah, that, yeah yeah for sure you would, have been a, you would have been in the top of your profession there
2: now well, how odd about it? these books that is just crazy to me like now if something's coming out we know about it on twitter facebook internet everywhere but like you guys didn't know Epcot was coming back then until, unless you were chosen to get this book or what, you would just show up to Disney one year and like, oh my gosh, there's a new theme park. Like that's yeah. the, yeah. And
3: yeah. then um, actually the other thing that happened is at some point they changed the, the post show of the Walt Disney story. Well, actually briefly they took out the Walt Disney story. They played an Epcot film there, trying to give you sort of like a taste of what was going on. That was all done with artwork. work. then the post show, where um, they used to have the Western River Expedition model. like That was pulled out, and there was models. Instead of the model of the Magic Kingdom that used to be there, they had a model of Epcot. They had artwork on the walls. And they took the robotic owl that used to talk about uh, the Western Western River Expedition, and they changed out his book to have pictures of Epcot. And then uh, Hoot Gibson talked about uh, Epcot when that was coming.
1: Now, now that is huh. when, that is when they walled off the Western river expedition model, correct? Correct. Yes. And then, so that would have been around 1980 or 81. And then when they uncovered it or took that wall down in 1993 or four, how, you yeah. know what I'm going to say, right? Yeah. What am I gonna say?
3: <laughs> said the lights were still on, all the grain of wheat bulbs were running, and I think the music was still playing that yeah, was <laughs>
1: there. The model was still fully operating <laughs> as it had been behind behind the wall for twelve or thirteen years.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's
0: what a great a story.
1: Piece. Now,
0: how? What's really neat about this book too is that you know this was sent out obviously way before you know construction was still going on, as you mentioned the typography and the the, the graphic design. It was already set in stone what this park was going to look like, I mean that far in advance that they had you know nothing in here to me doesn't represent what you what you what you saw in the park I mean this is really a really good representation of it a lot of time you see things that didn't become reality, but you know nearly everything in here is you see somewhere in the theme park <laughs> with with three exceptions right yeah. <laughs> You mean the three in the back called Israel, yes. <laughs> Israel, Equatorial Africa, and Spain. Is that the three you're referring to? Those are the three things yeah.
3: I was talking about. Exactly. Right,
0: right. All right. There's no visuals for those. But everything else, I mean, um, I don't know if the I'm going back to Germany here to see if it even mentions any type of, of water ride, but I believe by that time it had been cut. So...
3: Yeah, there was a there were a couple of coming soon. So like Horizons is listed as coming in
1: 1983. Right. Well, yeah i I do touch I did want to touch on that that you know they ultimately they decided to you know they had this set date of October 1st 1982. Uh, I'm going to recommend a few reading materials up to this point. I mentioned the one called the Florida Project. Uh, And we'll post links to the actual authors on on the site when we put the show up. But that one deals uh, almost exclusively with the purchase of the land and the ultimate approvals of the legislature to get it built, uh, which is an interesting read. Uh, The second, we'll post the link to uh, Michael Crawford's Progress City um, blog post where he covered really the early concept, all of the various early concepts for Epcot as a theme park until the one that was finally settled on, which is really fascinating to see the, the different designs that it went through and the different proposals. Uh, and the last thing uh, is a, a, there's a great, uh, really terrific uh, book called Building a Better Mouse. And when we do an American Adventure episode, uh, we're going to refer to that heavily because it's, it's a book completely written by an electrical engineer who worked on the construction of the American adventure. And if you ever wanted to know what it was like to work on <laughs> one of the Epcot pavilions from start to finish and the absolute bedlam that was involved in construction back then, and you know, these parks trying to meet the October 1st opening date, I mean, really almost nothing in the park worked 48 hours before they opened the doors. And, and, and I'm not just talking about that pavilion throughout it, uh, throughout the park, you know, nothing, nothing worked. Uh, so, But what ultimately opened uh, that first day in October 1982 when they opened it, uh, the, you know, Horizons, Imaginations, and Living Seas all opened after the opening. Okay. Um, I Living
0: Seas was uh, 86, Living 85, 86.
1: Eight, I eight, thought five, it was 80, 87 or 88. Wait a
0: second. I was there in 86 and it was open, so it was 85, okay. 86, somewhere in there, yeah.
1: So yeah, they were built. That's right. They were building the health pavilion when I was there. So yeah. so, uh, but Horizons opened a year later. Right. Uh, Imagination opened six or eight weeks later. I think it was. I um, think so. Yeah, like Christmas yeah, time I, or something. I, yeah, and then uh, Living Seasons, we said, was was uh, was eighty six. Uh, in World Showcase, Morocco was an addition, uh, an eighty four, I think. And then Norway didn't open until eighty eight, uh, and Maelstrom. Uh, which the recently departed boat ride, uh, which was originally called sea venture. Um, that, uh, that did not open until the summer of 89, I think was when maelstrom opened. And we, uh, we got to go back to Willard Scott. Do you guys remember that video? I always pull him up.
0: Well, Scott was uh, was too chicken to ride Maelstrom, <laughs> and, and he cut the ribbon. It's it's, it's one of those uh, Fourth of July, I think. <laughs> you know, things that
1: they should. Too
2: is. chicken to cut to ride. Yeah, it, and he yeah, Retreated to Roy's cabin to spend the exactly. night. That's right. <laughs> right yeah.
1: So so ultimately, what yeah. they opened after they sent the marketing materials out and did everything, they, you know, Future World. The focus was on edutainment. Right. You know, education and entertaining people while they did it. Um, and they promoted the corporate sponsors, uh, sometimes blatantly, um, one of my favorite stories, uh, because in, you know, there's, there's two original attractions that still have their corporate sponsors present when the American adventure opened, it had two sponsors. They were American express and Coca-Cola. And so when you're in the depressed, one of my favorite scenes, the depression scene, uh, in front of the country store, the general store, uh, prominent Coca-Cola signs there, uh, on, the, on the face of the country store. Uh, in the uh, Impressions of France, the, the 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 film that still runs to this day, the original Epcot film, and I now see it every single time I visit the park, because uh, it's, it's exactly what you would have seen in 1982 if you went, with one <laughs> exception. There's a point uh, later in the film uh, where, you know, and the film has, what is it, five or six screens? How? I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Definitely, but, yeah yeah there's like let's say there's six screens well there's a point where two of the screens just you know there's 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 scenes on the three of them i think it's cars racing and then there's two screens that just have the french flag on them those originally had the renault logo because renault was a sponsor of the pavilion
2: the oh, renault no automobile
1: kidding. company and so they simply replaced those those two frames with the a... french flag <laughs> that's uh, funny <clears throat> So, so yeah, so they had these, uh, you know, they had these uh, pavilions and rides that, you know, educated and promoted the corporate sponsors.
0: You know, that kind of um, speaks to the timelessness of, of the film, too. And, you know, you know, done well enough, I'm sure there's, you're going to see fashions and things change in there, but, you know monuments and, 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 and landmarks don't change. Right.
1: Yeah. Ultimately what they did, I mean, uh, you know, my, my opinion on Epcot is it was Imagineering's effort to kind of reimagine the technologies and concepts that Walt had proposed for, for his Epcot city in a theme park environment. Right. And, you know, given the, the, the love that, you know, we and the whole community has for what was originally Epcot center. I mean, I think they did an incredible job. It was, it was a classy place. It was a place you went and you learned things. You were fascinated by the things that you saw, and the attractions were top notch. Yeah.
0: Uh, now I remember as a kid too. You know, I remember when we were going to go down there in '86. I remember my grandmother, my, you know, there was it's going to be educational. This is a good trip for you guys to take, right? Yeah. And I remember, you know, the the bigger thing was that you're going to see lettuce being grown in. St- <laughs> right that was like, yeah because you you saw those preview films on uh abc right what was it what was it michael landon right do you remember yep. that one yep yep uh that's and, where he's and standing
1: on the various spots under construction exactly door.
0: i mean it's, that's a great a great film to watch i think danny Kay did was it danny Kay did the opening i think he, it did, was. The opening, yeah, yeah, he did the opening yeah he did the opening so you know, those glimpses that you got back then just, you know, whetted your appetite to to go down there and experience it. But for some reason, it's lettuce and styrofoam will always ring as uh, one of the reasons we went there. It was educational, you know. I did forget it's about like... one
3: promotional thing that actually ties into that. So oh. what? A, there was one other thing that you got to do prior to the uh, to the park opening.
0: Did you receive seeds and styrofoam <laughs> peanuts? Yes, a tiny little seed. Yes, oh. just
3: make believe. Um, There were... Uh, there was a, you could actually, so f- allegedly, and this is where things get weird. So <laughs> I don't think we ever did this, uh, which is weird because, uh, w- if you were a Florida resident, it's like you could get a ticket to take the monorail from the ticket and transportation center over to Epcot while it was under construction.
1: Right. And the walk, monorail preview. Yeah.
3: Yes. And walk out onto the platform and someone would explain to you, um, Kind of like what was going on construction-wise. I thought that there was like a nominal charge for that, like $2 or $4 or something, which is why we never did it. But I recently saw just a bunch of tickets on eBay that were all complimentary for Florida residents. So I don't know how we missed out on that. But I I swore that was a paid thing because (laughs) my parents were cheap enough that they wouldn't have – they I'm not going to pay $2 like, to go see something that's not open. Yet. Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I, I can hear House Dad. I'm like, they're free. They're probably trying to sell us something. I mean, we're not going over there. We're not <laughs> going. That's not where they're
3: Even as it was, we didn't go until 1983 because the Orlando Sentinel and other newspapers, there were full of articles probably for the first six or seven months telling you how like stuff was constantly breaking down. And there were like two and three hour waits. And you'd go to ride Spaceship Earth and Spaceship Earth would break down. So he actually said, no, no, we're going to wait a year. And then we'll go once we know everything's working.
2: <laughs> makes sense.
0: Yeah. So we had some we had some figures, I think, Brian. You want to talk about too, right? It's a little bit of some parks icons.
1: Well, there's a couple of things. At first, I want to you know we are talking about the experience inside the park. Yeah. So one of the things they covered during the 30th anniversary um, symposium uh, weekend that they did uh was talk about the things that you saw there for the first time and there were things like sinks that you didn't have to turn on and toilets that flush themselves and (laughs) you know it's all now we see well we see them everywhere (laughs) but there it was like this was the first time most people had ever seen anything like this. Right. So, so it was that that even in in the most basic things, it was a nod to the future. There, well, have a world key information, right? Making world world key information, was... which now you can do on your phone. phone? But yeah, it you, yeah, it was a there was a late and it's two things. There was there was a live aspect where you could actually. Uh, make live dining reservations right. and things like that with, It'd with see
0: the person they'd
1: see you they yeah. They were sitting literally in front of a camera and a computer terminal somewhere where they could make uh, dining reservations and other things for you. how we need we need the computer sound again like that <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the other part, the world key information that you referenced was actually a laser disk based system with a touch screen. yeah, so you could you know touch the screen and say that, you know I want to learn about. The Germany Pavilion, and then it would pop up. There's two things there. First, touch screen was revolutionary oh, yeah. for people to, to experience, and then that kind of interactivity was was revolutionary for people to experience.
0: I remember the touch screen roller coaster, and I know we're going to get into all these different pavilions over a year. Well, you know, well, that's, at, that's...
1: I will tell you at the D23 uh, event that how yep. I attended a few months ago, uh, they dealt with a computer. Uh, uh a guy that specializes in i forget his title but he he specializes in obsolete computer technology <laughs> and so they found one of the banks of data chips that yep. used to run the world key system oh. uh they sent it to him he managed to resurrect it and get it to run on iPads wow so they set up oh. this room this bank of iPads with in little enclosures that made it look like you were actually using the world <laughs> key system and you were able to actually play with them there at the at the d twenty three thing and watch the videos and yes, the roller coaster so, game was there and some of this stuff. the, the, the stuff I, I have to tell you though. As with when you plug in your old Atari or ColecoVision <laughs> or anything else, it's fun for about five minutes, <laughs> and then you're saying, "My God, this is terrible." Well, you know what's funny back then,
0: as I I go back, there was I remember there was one that my brother did where the camera would take a picture of your face, and then it would scramble in like a nine by nine or or four by four blocks, and and I remember watching people back then that. It's not push screen; it's touch screen. But everybody <laughs> seems to, like, they want to push through the CRT tube, you know, and they're pushing really hard when it, you know a gentle touch would work work better. But so what? Uh, was, yeah. So uh, it's been so long
3: since I've seen the World Key. Was the character who introduced you to the system and how it worked was he named Bit? Oh God. no, was Bit the one that was in? Uh, the, well, Bit was also the, the guy in Tron. But when it first came on, there was this little square
0: that. That came around, right, right. But it, what was the guy that jumped around in 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 the computer one, the computer show in Communicore. Did he oh, have a name too? The astute computer review. Oh, it was just Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Or was it just a? There was. There,
3: wasn't there a character in that? He was a well. He was a pearly, a pearly king. That kind of was a normal sized human that he got shrunk down. It shrunk
0: time. down and walked across. the Yeah, as he was, would yeah. do. This, Maybe I'm confused. Sorry. All right, I'll take I'll take that back. We'll have yeah.
3: to see if there's some world key on uh, on YouTube because
1: yeah. So so they have this park and it's got all this futuristic stuff and it's highbrow entertainment and they're teaching you about about food and and about the land and about uh, the energy and all of these things that you wouldn't think you're going to go on vacation to learn about. And so the Imagineers uh, and the set designers there at Disney decided that this was not an appropriate place for the classic Disney characters of Goofy, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, etc., that uh, you needed to have uh, a different uh, feel and aesthetic to the place. So they did two things, because they had to have some character for for merchandising and for sales. So one, they decided to create their own iconic character for the park. That character ultimately became Figment, uh, the purple dragon from... Ah, uh, the imagination journey into imagination attraction, uh, and the imagination pavilion and uh, Figment and Dreamfinder, uh, his uh, his life-sized friend, uh, did did meet and greets all the way up until 1996. I think it was when they stopped the uh, the Dreamfinder and Figment meet and greets from the time the park opened. In fact, the opening ceremony, the opening special from the Today Show, there's an interview uh, with the Dreamfinder and Figment. Uh, and that was before the the attraction was even done. Right. Uh, and uh, Ron Schneider, who played the Dreamfinder, talked about in his book that it was the first time he had put the costume on. It was the first time he had actually worked <laughs> with the puppet, uh, and and they hadn't actually seen the finished attraction yet. So he was just kind of making it up as it went along. <laughs> Um, so, so they develop figment figment becomes the, I mean, they, they put them on towels and t-shirts and balloons and everything else that you can think of. And that's really their future world, uh, character. Uh, he's not really in any of the other pavilions, but he's there in in the uh, in this central shopping areas and everything else. Boy, did kids take! I remember taking home a plush figment, right? Yeah, y-
0: you fell in love with him. It was it. You took the purple
1: dragon home, whether well, it was he, a magnet he, or in in the first incarnation of the imagination attraction, the one everybody loves. Right, he was he was a beloved oh. figure. He just it was prevalent in every every scene. Right, he was whimsical and fun and. He wasn't the jerk that he is in in today's yeah. version. He was filled with childish delight. Yeah, I mean, he's he. Childish. You know, he started off. He I don't know who. You know, he was who Charlie Brown or so. You know, and and in this one, he's he's Bart Simpson. I mean, he's <laughs> so too bad. You know, people are happy yeah. to have Figment back, but they don't particularly care for Figment because he's grown into a teenage jerk in the present he's, edition. Exactly. So so, so, so they have Figment in World Showcase. Oh, um, not these. Yeah, yeah. The, no. These. Giant, uh, oversized headed um, uh, (laughs) characters who were representations of the indigenous uh, citizens of whatever country they happened to be. Instead of these giant characters from Italy and China and uh, uh, Mexico, and and they were these, you know, life size, well, regular size figures with these three and four foot heads on them, and the eyes blinked. between attempts oh, to steal your soul. <laughs> You're not having
0: nightmares by now just
1: hearing yeah, about this. I mean, there, there's... There, but I, I also saw that they actually existed in the Magic Kingdom.
0: Well, I, I was just going to say that... that uh, I, are you going down the path of the
1: 76 parade? Well, that's it. They, yeah. they, they used them in the Magic Kingdom in the 70s with some parades. Yeah. Uh, and so when they built World Showcase and decided that... I, I mean, I think appropriately that... Young, young children, there, there wasn't a lot for them to do in World Showcase. Uh, so they decided to have these characters back there. Uh, one of the great, you know, and there's, there's the two ages of, of Eisner. That everybody talks about the first 10 years, which everybody, I think most people loved. And then the second 10 years, which I think we wish we could do a lot of things over. Uh, but those first 10 years, Michael Eisner becomes um, uh, CEO of the company in September of 1984. Uh, he visits the parks the following month. He visits, uh, he visits Walt Disney World. And they take him over to Epcot and he's walking around with, with, his, uh, with his corporate handlers. And the first question he asks them is, where's Mickey? And they said, well, what do you mean? And he said, "Well, where where's Mickey? I'm, you know, I've been through all, all through the park here. I I don't see any of the characters." <laughs> and so they start to explain to him that you know, well, we we decided that it wouldn't, you know, it's not something Walt would have done. It's not an appropriate thing for this park. And so basically, he turned to the people he was with and he said, "Get the characters in the park as soon as possible." Yeah. And so within a month, month and a half uh Mickey Minnie etc appeared in the parks I think in those rainbow bright space costumes right you know,
0: the ones right. with the rainbows
1: yep. I think that was their first appearance in that cuz they were
0: they were they were future and then future, you know yeah la- it was in future world later on you, you know in the 90s you started to have them uh, associate a specific character with a specific country and all that but yeah I I so do we know what year what year you think that well, was? Well, what well there
1: was, it, 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 that was definitely the beginning of they 85. They had 85. Okay. I mean, he he took over in September of 84 and I've seen photos from as early as January, or February of 85 that the yeah. characters were in the parks. Well, you know, they they also, they also have... used to do a character cavalcade in the World Showcase on that double-decker bus yes. that used to run around there the, uh, w- a couple of times a day they the would load Jitney it up with characters and just kind of drive around the circumference of world showcase.
0: Right. Right. Which then became some sort of Jamba band or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> they,
1: they moved I actually wrote on that when I was there in 1988, oh. it was still operating in January of 88. And I actually wrote on that.
0: Jumbo. Nice. Jumbo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Before it went musical. Yeah.
1: But Well, <laughs> the topic of somebody going around, I'll, I'll do another one of our sides. There was a, uh, a famous national event held in the uh, world showcase, uh a similar drive around world showcase in parade fashion in 1985. does anybody know what it is uh, 85 well
0: it's a it's an it's an odd year so it's not a election
3: andy so 500. i now i know that reagan actually came to epcot to give a speech you you, at you some are point. close how
1: what what okay. uh, what what happened was the second reagan inaugural in january of 1985 <sighs> The temperature uh-uh. in Washington was four degrees, oh. <laughs> so they decided it's not a good idea to hold the inauguration outside, and it's an even worse idea to have all these marching bands from all over the country marching down Pennsylvania Avenue uh, <laughs> in four these degrees. in this frigid temperatures. So the president decides with everybody else, this is a bad idea. We're canceling the parade. We're going to have a a small ceremony indoors, which is what they did. They had a ceremony indoors at the Capitol. Naturally, all of the high school bands and everybody else uh, that were supposed to participate in the parade were unhappy uh, that they had come all this way to not only not see the president, but then not get to perform. Uh, So in walks Michael Eisner uh, with the offer Why don't you come down here and have it here? Now, at the time, uh, you can't just have a whole bunch of high school kids. like You you can't make travel plans for thousands and thousands of people (laughs) on a dime or for the president. Uh, So what they decided to do was Memorial Day weekend, uh, they would have the uh, president's inaugural parade in World Showcase at Epcot. Uh so there is a video of it. Yeah, uh, it's you can actually
0: see it on YouTube. It's an hour and a half long. Yeah,
1: because what Ooh. happened well because you got all these marching bands yeah. marching around World Showcase. <laughs> if
0: you like marching bands, you are in.
1: So so what they did was they brought the president in uh, and parked the limousine behind the American Adventure. The stage was set up in front of American Adventure with some bulletproof glass in front of it. It's uh, pretty much pres- where the eat to the beat concert series yeah, is. Now, actually, yeah, actually. Marine one landed behind the American adventure. Wow. No kidding. So, so Marine one landed behind the American adventure. He gets out. He walks out uh, into the front of American adventure, gets on the, uh, gets on the, um, uh, gets well, in the limousine. oh limo. no, gets in the limousine and they drive him around world showcase. Uh, I think only once it may have been twice, but I think it's only once. I have to tell you, It's a bizarre thing to watch, uh, only because, uh, you know, world showcase when you're in a vehicle, isn't really that big. So, I mean, the, the whole, the whole world showcase lagoon is lined on both sides with, with people. They allowed them to line up, put them behind a rope line. Um, and, uh, and then they drove him around to wave at everyone. And, uh, and then they had, uh, the marching bands go, go around he then gets up on the stage. Uh, he and um, Mrs. Reagan and Michael Eisner and Mickey Mouse review, uh, <laughs> you know, a handful of the bands. He makes some remarks uh, and then he exits the stage and they get in Marine One and he flies away. <laughs> so, back to work. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, but, the, you know, the, they, they had uh, they had the whole thing underwritten. Um, you know, by other people. So they flew all the bands and everybody there and, and Disney, you know, it was, it was I mean, you know, Eisner hadn't even been CEO a year yet. Right. And so he gets the president of the United States to bring, to bring his, uh, to bring his inaugural parade to Epcot was, it was the first of many marketing geniuses and a hat tip goes to the fantastic uh, tan, almost cream colored suit that the president wore that day for, <laughs> for the Florida, for the Florida heat. So yeah, we got to keep
0: out of that. Oh, uh, well, if you guys have an hour and a half to spare after listening to us, take a look at him. Look, it is quite a, a interesting piece of piece of history. So, yeah, but that's
3: not the first time Reagan stepped foot into Disney Park, was it?
1: Oh, no. No, no, no. Disney of Disneyland. Disneyland. Disneyland that's, right. that's right. He was very good friends with Walt, and, uh, and he uh, was one of the co-hosts for the opening day of Disneyland. That's right. So
0: I I think it's that time, guys. we got to kind of say goodbye to the main topic. Um right i know boo but but, we'll be back we, oh we have to it. be back i mean you think about what we just went over and all the different lands and things we got to go through i think how's going to be going looking now he's going to be looking for his uh real magic kingdom club pictorial or non-pictorial souvenir. i know i gotta go get one and we will have a whole episode so on do. pictorial souvenirs because it's one of the things i've looked at over the years we've also uh uh, a hint to the future—we've we've uncovered the real true identity of uh, polka polka dot girl riding on Space Mountain, which is interesting. So, but enough of that teaser for the future. All right. So, JT, on the viewer mail, what do we what have we got this month? Anything come in? in the um, yeah, we
2: got, we got a, a message from Jim actually, um, and I thought this was kind of cool. He kind of hit on a, you know, he he obviously likes our podcast. He was, you know, wasn't one of the the the, the hate mails we get all week, <laughs> but this is one of our our fans, um, and it's Jim, and he's a current employee of Disney World. Actually, works in Tomorrowland. So if you're in Tomorrowland, he actually said, um, you know, we can come look for him. He's usually wearing a goofy cap. I don't know who wears goofy caps in Tomorrowland. I don't even know. Apparently,
0: Jim. I, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody. But uh, so yeah, he has but some he kind words he, to say about the.
2: Yeah, the- he said, uh, which was kind of interesting. He said he actually listens to our podcast and he thinks um, it helps him with his guests. Like he trains other cast members, and it kind of gives him a window into the guest's opinion of things and sort of that nostalgia of I think more connects with the you know the importance of things. So it mm-hmm. kind of makes his job more memorable. Um, And I thought it was very funny. his name is Jim, and he just got his Jiminy Cricket pin. Uh, Jim, he's Jiminelli. wearing a, yes. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's our message from Jim. And like I said, you can find him in Tomorrowland, um, you know, probably working on the, uh, shrunken down speedway. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well,
0: Jim, I appreciate you writing in and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, some of the memories and stuff that we're talking about that, uh, that have been instilled in our, our heads for years are coming out and that, that, that can help you guys, uh, over there produce memories for other, over other people as well. So, all right. Well, as always, uh, JT, where are they write in? They want to send us a message. We're always, always open and taking mail, right?
2: Yeah, send us a message. Podcast at retrodisneyworld dot com. Um, you know, there's always the chance we could take a tweet. And you know, read yeah. that on the air. It's you know, it's a lot shorter, but still if you wanna send us all a tweet or something like that, we will get those as well. JT checks the mailbox
0: every day. So every day I run out there something it's, in to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. It's
2: freezing here, but I still run yeah, out there to s- check the mail.
0: Check that mail every day. All right, so let's let's move on to the puzzler. Oh, uh, last month we had a we had a good one that was pretty hard, I thought. Um how you submitted this one. I it was a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, I, I liked it. So the correct answer to last month's puzzle was the magnetic mystery mine on Tom Sawyer Island. Um, how you want any background on that?
3: Well, I could. Uh, for, or do you need oh, a whole episode? <laughs> no, just one day for whatever reason. So if if you don't know, it's like one of the things that I have on my Kingdom of Memories website, which you can find. Going through is uh, th- in the uh, in the '90s, late '80s. It's like I spent an awful lot of time recording Disney audio. So one day I I hopped over to uh, to Tom Sawyer Island and did an extensive series of recordings of everything that I could over there. So I got the magnetic mystery mine. There's uh, bat noises in the cave. The sound of wind. Uh, there was a snoring prisoner in. Uh, in Fort Sam Clemens and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm actually gonna, uh, I'll have that stuff up on the site now that we've revealed uh, the answer in the winter. It's like I'll I'm gonna do a posting of Tom, the sounds
0: of Tom Sawyer Island. There we go. So you can. Create your own fort in your backyard and That's right. play the sounds. So who is this month's winner? It is William Winnicus, and congratulations to him. He got the, uh, the correct answer. Now, he was pulled randomly from all
2: correct answers that uh, we received. JT, tell him what he's won. William, guess what? <laughs> you get the original i think it's original uh 70s era contemporary bar of dial soap still in the original package yeah, we confirmed it has not been used there's no there's, it's still sitting there yeah. it's it says vacation kingdom of the world it says florida it's it's the real deal and we don't want you know any anybody to you know use it but you can keep it in it's nice original package and set it on your shelf because it's sewn you can do what you want with yeah, it really Yep,
0: yeah, but don't you, you really shouldn't use it it's yeah i, mean, I don't you know do what, what would happen to old
2: soap like that but
0: yeah it Probably still good. So, this month's puzzler, uh Brian. We you you've you've got some two two. Uh, we're gonna do two gifts this this month, right? You've
1: got two things. Yep. Keep, keeping with our uh, with our uh, theme of the episode with Epcot Center. Well, we
0: were off last month. Mm-hmm. You know, we gave. We really should be giving a Fort Wilderness this this month, right? Cause yeah, like, I understand. <laughs> but now we're going to try to be a little more in tune.
2: We right? tried to get that original sign, but we just couldn't get it to well, give away as a prize. It was too hard to put on
0: the top of the car. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So so we uh, we uh, this month we have a couple of things to give you. Yeah, we got multiple. Uh, we're going to pick two winners. Uh, and one of the prizes, uh, we were just talking about the first Disney characters uh, in the Epcot theme park. Uh, were what they've what we call the rainbow bright Mickey, and these were uh, the Fab Five: Mickey, Donald, Pluto, Minnie, Goofy, uh, clad in their silver LeMay spacesuits with uh, rainbow logos on it. And Pluto, of course, has a pinwheel on his head. Uh, it's my holy grail, Pluto, the character <laughs> I'd always like to meet. The Pluto with the silver suit and the pinwheel on his head. Uh, and this is a, uh, roughly five by seven item that was sold in the parks. It's a, it's a wooden, uh, plaque with a photo of the rainbow bright suit clad, uh, fab five inside wow. of it. One of the first promotional, uh, uh, photos that they took of the five of them for Epcot that's in there. It was an item that was sold in the parks. It's stamped on the back Walt Disney productions. Uh, so we have one of those to give away. And then we also have an original 1983 era uh, sticker, Epcot Center sticker that were sold in the parks to either put on your windshield, um, and that's a or or in a window somewhere, or and stick it on bumper. a wall, on your bumper. They're, but they're small. It's it's not a it's not a full size bumper sticker. It's a it's a small square right. that would have been more more appropriate for a side window of your uh, conversion van. There you uh, go with the so, with the so, shag carpet. Yeah. So those are the two uh, those are the two prizes this month. So uh, why don't we unleash the puzzler on the? Yeah, top? we're going to do that in just a second. I have an
0: idea though. Why don't we do this? The person will we'll pick randomly from all the correct answers for the for the souvenir photo of the of the Fab Five, and then even if your answer is incorrect, we'll we'll put you into the drawing for the sticker. How's that?
1: Like that? Wow. You like that?
0: So everybody, I mean, you could send us an answer that just says. Small world, I don't know, which sends something in, which is not the correct answer for this month. So let's uh let's take a listen to this month's try to imagine just for a moment
1: that somewhere in the endless reaches of the universe, on the outer edge of a galaxy of a hundred thousand million suns, deep within a cluster of slowly forming planets, a small sphere of just the right size lies just the right distance from its
0: mother star, cooling in the coldness of space. Try to imagine. All right, so that's this month's Puzzler. If you know the correct answer, send your answer to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. And don't forget all winning entries and all non-winning entries will be entered into the big prize for the end of the year which will be pulled in december 2015 and on that uh, episode you will the winner will be receiving a walt disney world map courtesy of chad Linsicum and wdwmap.com so get your entries in and uh, hopefully you'll be able to pull in for the big prize
3: todd what do they, they have to send us in what's the cutoff date on
0: Oh, yes. Good good point. The cutoff date the, this month to send in, uh, please have your answers in by March 9th. So we must receive your March 9th, 2015, in, in case you're listening in the future. Uh, it's a Monday. It, it's aware, a Monday. People. Yeah. Monday, March 9th. Please send them in. And if you, you are, it's France.
3: awesome to talk to someone in the future. So.
0: Exactly. So mm-hmm. I hope things are going well with it. Now, Will be then be using soap in the future? Let us know. Yeah, they may not be using soap. <laughs> 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 let us know if other things came true that Epcot had. So. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to move on to the last and final segment of the podcast, which is our film restoration. Now... This is another eBay find. Um, we know we've we've talked a lot about uh, different films that we've done. We did, the, you know, I found a 16 millimeter film of Walt Disney World recently. We've done the home movies, my personal home movies. We've talked about the pristine 71 film, and there's a lot. It's not very often, just because of the timing of Epcot, that you run across um, an 8 millimeter film, and not only 8 millimeter. It's not Super 8. This is 8 millimeter silent film. Now what, what's really interesting about this, I, I did get it from an eBay find. I think Brian, you or I found it and we, we made sure we, we obtained it. Yep. Um it's it's a rare piece because it's from October 14th, 1982. So it's thirteen days after Epcot Center opened. And I I have to say that there's a couple when you when you look through this film, you know, you're probably gonna see some some interesting anomalies with it, but I I'm guessing that it's filmed over about a two-day period. Uh, I'm also guessing, and and no offense if I'm wrong on this, but it was taken by an older couple. Uh, older couple, um, you see here in the film now and then. Um, they they have no interest in future world. You know, I can, I, you know, <laughs> in my article I wrote, I said, I only can assume, and, and Mary, maybe a stereotypical one, that this couple made the pilgrimage to Epcot, and by 1981, they weren't about to spend money on any newfangled Super 8 sound camera, because they were using an old 1960s 8mm camera. Uh, and fancy technology wasn't that appealing to them. Hence, most of the time in here was spent at World Showcase. But there are some great shots, um... That, that that we can we can we can get from this, so uh, it definitely is is worth a really good look here. So you guys got it queued up? we'll, we'll yeah,
3: yeah I'm ready. They, to they, look. Pr- they also- probably figured they weren't going to make it into the future
1: anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> why spend the money? You yeah. know, so. yeah. But it's also worth mentioning only half of Future World was open at that point.
0: That's true. So they and and as we'll point <laughs> they were waiting out, a year. Yeah. Now there's some great cars. looking. Down. I love the U-Haul at the 32 mark over on top. The one of those giant aluminum U-Hauls sitting on top of one of the cars. <laughs> now the, the monorail that goes by. I mean, that's a uh, what is it? That's a that's a Mark Mark four, right?
1: One, two, three, four, five.
3: Let's see. You can always tell by the black buttons underneath the Walt Disney World. Logo, yeah, like up by. Yeah, the they didn't. Yeah. They
1: didn't switch out the Still monorails 80s. until ninety. 90-
0: Right, one or ninety-two, right? But that yeah. is interesting. That is a six car, and there were some five
2: cars at one point. So, Unless I like the down. rainbow person posing in front of the fountain.
0: Oh, the the, the person that walks the, walks across, right? There's yeah. a, there's somebody oh, eating yeah,
1: like yeah. on the guardrail.
0: Yeah, look at the the shorts. Look at those shorts! Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, and the the triangle well, shirt we're, we're there. At the, f-
1: at the fifty-five second mark, there, folks, to see them shorts. Exactly,
0: they are. That they're up there. So the, I'm believing the woman in the pink skirt. There's obviously the point because there she is yeah. again standing in Mexico at the 110. You see her. She poses throughout the video. And look, it's the classic blue stroller. Yeah. <laughs> Don't watch your heels. You may
1: cl- Get them clipped.
0: <laughs> now he does some good pants in Mexico here, right? You know, you you can see. I think she's still standing. It's like 30 seconds of of Mexico. Um. You got a go nightmare. through a
1: nose pan of world showcase. Yeah,
0: look. I mean, look at the space between the.
1: Canada and England, and,
0: yep. and then all of a sudden, nothing. Right where the international yeah, we're, gateway is, it's yeah, just, where are
1: international gateway is. It's really neat to see it as a as just nothing. It's just it's an like expanse. A field. That's weird. I've never yeah. seen that.
0: No, it's real and there's no Swan and Dolphin behind anything too. And then the, no. the pavilions aren't obscured by the trees that were growing, you know, around, around the edge, which is really, which is really neat
2: too. But um, it's got that new park look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can smell it from here, fresh. Yeah. Before. Fresh bark mulch. He does jump into China, actually, in the pavilion around 215 or yeah, so. And, 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 you know, it's funny. It's timeless, right? I mean, <laughs> if you go there today, it's... Now, here's really something interesting. Look at two two 226. Look at the. This is so obscured by trees today. Look at the size of the German building where the Rhine River Cruise was going to be. I mean, it really gives you an idea of how legit castle big looking. that building was. Mm. So, and this is all pre-Morocco too, right? I mean, you, you, yep. You know, when you pan over to Italy, you can see the the, the building behind the American Adventure that houses the sets. And there, there's there's legit.
2: the gondola ride. Oh wait, no, there isn't one. <laughs> There's the, the bus, the bus, the yeah, double decker bus. Yep. Somebody taking a drink of a Sprite. <laughs> look like with a pull tab, probably. Yes. It was Disney littered with pull tabs at one point? They
1: were never littered with anything in
2: fact Yeah, they they, they now they would on, be. Yeah, they, they'd
0: knock you over in an attempt to get to. Uh... Now I think she went by again. If you look carefully, <laughs> in Germany, no, there she is, three eleven, three ten. There she she's got the she's got the the hat on. Yep. So see, I, yeah she's in here quite a bit i got i like the one man band too
2: oh yeah look at that clicking his heels yep
3: hey does that clock still work do those figures still come out
0: they they do but some of them are timed into the the handheld adventure
2: game
1: it was actually look, struck
2: by lightning, and it hasn't look, worked since look then. Look at the
1: crowd of. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> look at that crowd of people waiting to get on yeah. the ships. They they don't want to
0: walk that mile around or whatever the heck it is. Get but real! It doesn't that's take really all the way the line for it's the boat. A, it's the only. It's one of the very few attractions.
1: There's the equatorial equatorial <laughs> Africa. Uh, right. Oh you know, boy! So that's, station there. That's before I, I'm going to skip right by that. They, that's before
0: they covered the pavilion, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, earlier. That was brilliant. I don't like
2: that tall man. Yeah,
0: There's but you know, nice... what? he look at think about Lion King and look at these outfits. You know, yeah.
2: it amazes
3: me that for you know a bunch of people in California, of course, never think about the fact that it is blazing hot in Florida <laughs> yeah. and when they're going yeah. to design all these things. Even exactly. after the lessons of of Walt Disney World of like having to right. put covers on stuff, they, when they did Epcot, they still had all the stuff exposed.
0: Yep. Now go to four hundred eight. Look at the pan of the friendship boat. I, I, I I'm. They're. I'm probably the same boats. But does that not look like the Alweg monorail right there? Look at the, the the windows. Look chrome around the edge. It's glorious. I don't know if they have. They're, they're. Are they different boats now? How are they? I don't know.
1: I don't
3: think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I think they're the same boats. They're just, just new. Again, jobs. got yeah. that. Yeah, new they're parts, just but... brand new.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Spaceshipper looks very shiny. In this, is it yeah. just me? Or... Well, well yeah, it, they, was. it was. It was. It's friendly. not
1: anymore. No, the. Uh, in fact, that, a... I had a Twitter exchange with somebody three or four weeks ago who who was telling me that, you know, that they, they need to replace all of the panels at some. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh wow! And and uh, you know, I just I kind of thought that that frightens me because my vision is them replacing those panels with something that they can. Digital that they panel. can yeah, that, LED, yeah, well that they can yeah. suddenly project things on and I mean they, they know they can project things now but the ability to just with a few keystrokes turn that into some giant marketing tool is yeah you know, is frightening um, so hopefully that never happens
0: our our uh, our lady's back at four thirty three she's I saw her there
2: that's <laughs> our girl there she
0: goes this old is- Hattie. A lot, of world, a lot of World Showcase. I think we get some performers up in the five-minute mark. Yeah, you, you
1: get right around the five-minute mark, you start to get, you get an interesting pan of Japan. It just looks so different without any of the trees and without the additional construction that they've done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my
3: gosh. It looks so big. It, yeah. it
0: does. I mean, the pan takes forever, and it looks like it's on top of <laughs> the American and Adventure. And you've got
1: some street performers here in what – is this the UK? Yeah. This, I know. Italy, but- is it Italy. Uh, no, this is UK. This is the Pearly it's Kings and Queens. Is it, okay,
0: they th- with the hat and the banjo there. It looks like Steve Martin, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Just jamming out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Rosen Crown Pub. And is that a sponsor's logo? That's on that's either side still of
2: there. It? That's I believe that's one of the beers, right? Now this is like you think about it, like one of oh, the yeah. first months you can actually that's drink on Disney sale. property.
1: I was
0: gonna say that's Bass, yeah. Right. And the nice Beautiful end of,
1: shot of Eiffel Tower. Yeah,
0: right? end of day pan, uh, end of day shot. Right. So now here we go. Here's part of the
2: whole. Look at this. This is the money maker.
0: This is Folks, if you ever want to see footage of horizons under construction, it's short, but this is it. We got people welding on the roof. It looks like to be. Some shots are taken from over by Universe of Energy because you can see the uh, the sign at the uh, little around the six twenty mark. And somebody's little, crying fount- right
2: now. <laughs> oh
0: Found in nations and look at look at that sign too. That old, is a sweet sign. With all the old uh, uh, icons. I like the
2: symbols. I think they should bring those back. They would be nice to come back. Those would definitely work.
3: Did I? Did I ever tell you guys a story that uh, that I actually had to write a nasty gram to Imagineering because they didn't bother to design a symbol for uh, Wonders of Life when it opened?
0: Really? No, because they eventually had that that um, like the Leonardo man, right? The yeah, guy yeah. yeah. Later on, which didn't fit into anything. No, else. it
3: was horribly off. It was terrible. It was like a good year or so, or almost two years, I think, before they finally added that, and it never made it to the Centaurium.
0: So you wrote them the "Hey, hey, what are you doing?" Yeah, exactly. I've, I
3: think I looked in Disney magazine and found that uh, whoever was in charge <laughs> of Epcot at that point and
0: wrote them a letter
2: handled it. And I, I just... did,
3: and I did actually get a response back at some point. Wow! Wow! Yeah.
0: Driven. Now I don't know why this guy takes a lot of pans of the Eiffel Tower from what He's vantage French. point is this? At seven twenty-nine or so. Ah, he's got like
2: a whole walkway,
0: and then yeah, there's a building painted in go away green. You can see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the Impressions of France show building. Is that what it oh, is? I think he, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then he jumps. Yeah, he's he, then he back jumps to Japan. To, back to Japan. Then he's back. He's really on the Eiffel Tower, and then we're back. Which, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, that looks like the French pavilion today. I'm telling you they're French, and they had to. <laughs> And it ends with a, a great shot of the monorail pulling into the uh the, the station there at the end. But um I gotta put a call out there for those people who are listening, if you have any additional Epcot film footage. We'll eventually get to video stuff, um no no doubt. But uh the film has so much more character uh, and obviously tells a story um that we sometimes make up, but <laughs> it's still a lot of fun to look at so i
1: will i will mention there at the uh 45 well 45 seconds from the end so 7 45 or so yeah uh that shot of uh the main drag there in france with that little fountain mm-hmm. at your base that is my second favorite body of water in one of their theme parks that fountain i for whatever reason i You'll love like when that. it's lit at night yeah i love that fountain my favorite is uh, Echo Lake in Disney's Hollywood Studios, which may be on the endangered list. Yeah, so that could, be, that yeah, could yeah. You become. Uh, go hit it up here. That may become uh, like an
0: area of cantinaism. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all right. Our film restoration portion is brought to you by Pixel. Contact Pixel to create pristine digital transfers from your old home movies, photos, videotapes, and slides. Uh, they're now available in their Reflectera app, taking you back through time through all of your. Digital videos and slides. To get started today, visit pixel.com or call 1 800 557 3508. Also, visit retrodisneyworld.com forward slash imageworks and get an additional 10% off and free restoration. All right, it's that time, guys. Uh, we got to close out here and end another episode. Uh, one little spark. And uh, what should we do next month? We got to talk about something. Should we stay in cut What do you guys think?
3: Well, once uh, you're in Epcot, who's, who's how can picking? you leave Epcot?
0: Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I all right, I haven't picked one, so I'm I'm gonna go World of Motion. I think we've got to visit one of these pavilions in in depth and 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 talk about everything from construction, the way those rides were, and and that's personally one of one of my favorites. I know there's people going out there. Oh, do Horizons? We'll get there. Don't worry. Don't yeah, worry.
3: and I think it's fitting because it was earlier this week or was it last week that Gary Owens. Uh, yeah. Passed away, who was the uh, announcer? Exactly for the ride. So uh, I think okay. this would be a fitting tribute.
0: Absolutely. Perfect. So, so next month will be World of Motion, and uh, then we'll go take take you back there and to the Trans Center. The the was it the bird and the robot? We've got all sorts of stuff. So talk about so uh let's get some of our sponsors as always we mentioned pixel.com uh also wdw map.com uh you can get your paul hartley maps as we mentioned earlier so uh if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast please email info at retrodisneyworldcom and as always we're, uh if you can please drop us a line at podcast at RetroDisneyWorld dot and if possible give us a shout at, uh, at itunes and a review let us know what you think and uh, help spread the word about the podcast so uh and you can follow us on Twitter at
2: RetroWDW. And uh JT, how? Brian, where can they find you? Uh I am at my personal Twitter, LS1JT.
3: Uh you can follow me at uh Liquid luau on Twitter.
1: On Twitter, I am at Brian P. Miles. There we go. So
0: next month it's World of Motion. And hopefully I'll be digging out some of this snow here. We'll be done with that. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll get out of that. So, But we don't talk about weather, right, Hal? Huh? We don't
2: like
1: No, I don't know what the snow stuff is that you guys talk about. <laughs> you have no idea. It's completely unknown Dunner- to me. Chilling he's, in waiting, a tank he's, top. Waiting, he's waiting for the Frozen ride to open in Epcot to find out. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, with that, good night, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this month's episode. And uh, until then, Brian, take us out.
1: Until next time, please remain seated. Your time machine vehicle is rotating for your trip back to Earth.